Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of Twins Talk It Up. My twin brother and I are thrilled to introduce our next guest. Heather Younger is an international speaker. She's an adjunct organizational leadership professor, a facilitator who has earned the reputation as the employee whisperer. Heather founded Employee Fanatics. It's a leading employee engagement and leadership development consulting and training firm to really inspire others and to teach the kind of caring leadership that drives real business results. She's the author of the book, The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. She's a fellow podcaster, so we love that. And the program that she leads is entitled Leadership with Heart. Heather, welcome to the Twins Talking Up program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, too. Excellent. This is Danny. Um, now, Heather, Dave did a really vast job of introducing you, but we need to know a little bit more on who Heather Younger is and what led you down this path of champion caring leadership. Because there's all sorts of leadership traits, there's all sorts of leadership styles, but what made you focus and fine tune on caring leadership? Well, I mean, it really goes way, way back. It, it, this won't take hours, I promise. But so you, you two know my background. My mom is white and Jewish. My dad is black and Christian. And uh, my mom's family was not at all happy about that union. So they, I was an outcast. I was a black sheep. I never got to go to any family gatherings. I was never invited to go to weddings or bar mitzvahs, explicitly excluded from doing so. I had this one aunt, though, who was on my mom's side of the family who did everything she could to make me feel like I was included and like I belonged. So when I was nine, my mom and dad and I all moved across the country from Ohio uh, to Las Vegas and she stayed behind in Ohio. But every year she sent me this big box of eight individually wrapped uh, gifts for Hanukkah. And I would stare at those gifts, but I, it wasn't really about the gifts. It was this idea of her keeping me connected to this family who had really shunned me and kept me out. So it was her way of making me feel like, uh, like I was included and like I belonged. And so she didn't know at the time, but she was kind of a really big uh, first caring leader for me, a symbol of what care actually looked like in practice. And that's where it all stemmed from it. That was the beginning. And there were obviously some few, very few other examples of that along the way in the workplace. That's awesome. Now there's a quote that, before I get to this quote, Dave and I can so relate to what you just stated about growing up. Uh, with being mixed and being biracial and how family members view you, how the community views you as, as well. And um, it took a long time for us to feel and fit in with our own bodies and our own self and our own identity and figure out who we are. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you sharing that because that means a lot to me personally. Um, now there's this quote from Theodore Roosevelt that stated that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I would tell, I would say that, that for all the leadership characteristics over the years that I've had a chance to see, be under, even lead myself, I would tell you every single employee will tell you the exact same thing. They don't really care how much you know. They don't care how smart you are. What they really know is, are you my advocate? Do you really care about me? And that is so profound that sometimes we, we think about stats, we think about numbers, but we forget to go back to the very basics of caring. So how can you cultivate, how can a leader cultivate and grow in this specific area and develop it so that it can become a stronger trait? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, care is a, traditionally a nebulous concept. It's like this generic thing we say, oh, he doesn't care about me. Oh, she cared about me so much. And we're always like, what does that mean exactly? Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've put together these nine behaviors based upon all the research I've done that says, here are like the guardrails. Here are the specific things that you like, you think got stats, like something I can put my arms around. And if I do these things consistently, now I can kind of 
be labeled as a caring leader if I do it. Now, here's the thing about caring leadership. It is the end user of the experience that defines whether you care or not. But I have attempted in my book to have a self-assessment that actually allows you to assess yourself if you're true to yourself and answer them right. It says, here are my gaps. And then you can kind of work with a coach or whatever it is to, to go deeper. But I would say you, you kind of hit the nail on the head on one of them, which is, are you looking out for just yourself or do your people know you are looking out for them? Not just for what you, they can do for you, meaning work product, projects, processes, but what, you, what they can be, who they can become, how you can help them flourish and grow. And that's, that's the foundationally what caring leadership is. And there are all these other things like listening and safe spaces and leading yourself first. And there's so many things that are built into that. But really, it's foundationally that. Do you care for me in and of myself as a human, not for what I do for you? That's the key. Heather, this is David. And I love how you stated that it's important to define if you're caring, not based on what you're doing, but how you're being perceived and received. And yeah. so to me, it's the people you're leading, the people you're interacting with, they will define it for you. And so often we look at metrics like productivity and are we more profitable? Am I getting, am I squeezing it enough to limit enough to get what I want out of it? When in reality, what we've seen, and you and I are in a similar space as trainers, is that when employees feel looked after, they, that we have their best interests in mind, they're actually more productive. They're more engaged. That's amazing that you were able to state that. So I appreciate you doing that. Can I ask you an aspect of caring is vulnerability. Why is that so important as a leader that they're truly vulnerable? And I know this being a parent, we're all parents here on this in this engaged conversation here. And our kids can look at us and tell when we're just baloney or if we're truly being the authentic, real dad, real mom, real person we're supposed to be. But our employees see that too. So why is vulnerability so important, Heather, for a leader instead of that leader trying to paint this perception of I've got it all together? Yes. And I'm, I'm going I'm to answer that in a second. Let me go back to just what you said. I want to make sure I wrap that up in a tight bow so that people don't Certainly. go away thinking one thing. And that is, I don't actually think that metrics are separate from caring. So I think that, in the, and to be honest, and we get data in order for us to change, we have to receive data. Data comes in the form of feedback, quantitative, qualitative feedback. So um, metrics could be, could be turnover numbers in our team, right? Uh, what are the, the diversity makeup of our team? So we have to know that the data, the success factors, productivity, all those things are important. They are not, it's, it's an and, not an either or. No. So I just wanna make sure I say that. Secondly, I think vulnerability, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's critical, but we do have to be selectively vulnerable. I say that because I have had this problem before. I lead with heart. I'm the embodiment of caring leadership, but I can go to the extreme. I'm not perfect. And so that vulnerability side sometimes has really kind of, you know, hit me in the head um, over the years as a leader. I've been leading people for like over 30, no, 25 years. I don't want to date myself too much. And so in that regard, you want to be selectively vulnerable. So what I mean is it doesn't mean as a leader, we show up, you know, crying and on our team's shoulder, oh, this thing happened. But it does mean like if you're having a hard day, you can say, you know what, I'm not sure right now I have it in me to have this conversation. Can we circle back around either in a few hours or tomorrow or whatever that is so that I can really gather myself because I've had a tough week. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I think it's okay to be there. Because then they say, okay, he or she does, is not perfect, doesn't have an, an A-plus day every single day. And so I think that's okay to do that. Or if you come from a meeting, instead of being like, the meeting was a tough meeting and it was really stressful and you're coming back and you're like, oh. and you have all these words in your head, right? That might not be acceptable to say right now. Instead of walking by your team and going, nah, 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 and converging and saying just those things, you could they, they could look at you and go, ooh. And they may come in your office and go, is everything okay? And you go, you know what? I just, I had a tough meeting. I'm not, it was just a, it was, it was hard and it didn't leave me feeling so great, but I'm going to work through it. That's what I'm going to do. At, in a little bit, I am going to get back together with you all and figure out how we can come up with some solutions together as a team. So see the difference I'm giving to, I'm giving you that sense of like, they can see there's something there, but I'm not just like whining and crying and bringing their morale all down. And, and I'm saying this because I've done that before. That is actually my biggest weakness as a leader. I'm, I'm too vulnerable. So what I've had to do is go back and apologize, which of course is the strength of a caring leader is to be able to admit your mistakes, right? But I can think about, you know, I haven't done it, have to do, had to, had to do a lot, but probably over 25 years, I've had to apologize five times for that type of behavior where I give them too much and I show too much. So it just, again, with all of these things, there's it's like an and, not an either or, and there's a balance there with all of it. 
We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny. I I agree that there's got to be some type of balance. I know that there's times where the leader can be a a friend, (laughs) and there's times where the leader could be uh, the politician when it comes to dealing with employees' uh, interaction with each other. There's times where they're a uh, leader can be a disciplinarian. So there's all these different things. It's kind of uh, really difficult to balance it. Um, and I would tell you that at the end of the day, the leader that's authentic will always reign supreme over anything else. Um, so as an employee engagement strategist, you train an organizational culture and emphasize the importance of placing people first. Can you share what some of the challenges are that that you address and what the most difficult solutions to implement are? Well, I mean, I think when we think about the challenges, um, part of it is what you just alluded to, this idea of vulnerability. A lot of leaders don't think they need to be vulnerable as if we're wearing this bat cape, we're wearing this Superman symbol that says we are impenetrable and that we don't have to show those parts of ourselves. So you can't have, you can't have a caring leadership without that level of openness and transparency. So that's one big barrier. Um, the other thing you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, and I'm sorry, this is the lawyer in me who always wants to like look at a word and like pick it apart. Um, but this idea of authenticity is so critical. And I talk about that in the first chapter on self-leadership, but we do have to be careful with authenticity because sometimes we can be authentically a jerk, <laughs> right? So we have to, again, how do we find, how do we say, I feel it coming on or like my stress, and this is where the self-leadership comes in, that first mm-hmm. most important self-leadership behavior or, or uh, caring leadership behavior is self-leadership mm-hmm. and all the sub-behaviors in there. How do we say, how, do we, how are we aware of who we are, our self-leadership, how we, in our shoes, how are we feeling? What are our biases mm-hmm. doing to us in this moment? How do we, um, you know, move those back, uh, soften those so that we're interacting with our team members, those things aren't coming out. So authenticity is important, but sometimes like we can just be all out there. If you're all out there, Take right? Me then, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, and that's the first, so I can tell you for a lot of folks, that's a problem. So they're like, I'm just being authentic. It's like, mm, we may have to work on that. <laughs> so mm, mm, that was a little bit of a real breakdown, but I think that real goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think people will, will lean on that word a lot. And I'll th- it, it, I love that word. I, 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 I'm with you. Assuming the person is heart centered, heart focused, mm-hmm. others focused, people focused, then I think authenticity is good. If they are authentically inward about them, uh, not wanting to be transparent, not wanting to admit mistakes, and they're just like, eh, curmudgeon, I would say, please don't present that right. as much as you can. We're not perfect. 
So it's going to come off sometimes. I remember going through one of my, I was on my way to a meeting. I was crazy busy. And I just like put a project on one of my team members desk. And I just like ran out to the meeting and I saw her face like super frazzled, but I, I, in the moment I ignored it and I ran out to the meeting, but as I'm in the meeting, I'm sitting there and it's going in my head, it's going through my head and I can see her face. So I come back for, and I'm just, the whole meeting, I'm just thinking about her face. So I go, in, uh, come back and I go and I sit down. And I go, I am so sorry. Like, I, I didn't even ask you if you could take another thing on. I just needed to get it off my plate, but then I didn't even think about your plate. And so can we rebalance that? Again, that was another time I had to apologize where I saw, so I was socially aware, I saw, but I did not have that wherewithal in the moment to say, okay, you're going to have to be a couple minutes late for the meeting, or you're going to have to just wait for the project and discuss it with her later. So I, you know, I feel like stories and examples are the things that teach us so much. And that's why I want to share, you know, a piece of me as well in that regard. Heather, this is David. I do appreciate you sharing that. And before I get to what I want to ask you, if you are listening to this program right now, why don't you hit the pause button, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite platform and continue to be a supporter of Twins Talk It Up. We need your support to make sure we're bringing on incredible guests like Heather all the time. So Heather, back to what I wanted to ask you, and I appreciate you going into a little bit more detail as to what it means to be authentic. And you can literally paint the wrong picture and want to say, I'm authentic, I'm being real, when in reality, you're not being what your team needs. And mm. there has to be a complete level of that. And so you, you went earlier, I introduced you as the employee whisperer. And a lot of people will say, Dave, you're the evangelist of authenticity. And what does that really mean? Well, because I'm champion, I want you to be honest, be real, but be what your team needs you to be in order to lead them. So can you talk about employee engagement, retention, increased productivity? How have you seen this shift in the leaders and the managers that bring you in to help them get a different mindset and then that mindset has actually led to seeing, uh, let's say, a decrease in turnover, a increase in some employment activity. So tell me about the, the continuing dialogue or transition you have with the actual management team. Yes. Well, uh, the model that we have at Employee Fanatics is not a one and done approach. So our relationships by nature of how we build relationships in the, uh, in the organization by at all levels. So we do kind of a multi-tail relationship management. Um, we stay with our clients for years. So to that extent, then everybody up to the board, the employee at the front line, the executive leadership team knows who we are. So that's, that's, that allows us then to be very effective in what we do, but we start small often. So often people will come to us and say, we need help on a survey. We need help on DEI training. We, we, in our intent, we know that we will not end there. Sometimes they'll come in and say, we need a strategy, a full-on strategy, employee engagement or a full-on DEI strategy. And then we go in and we start from there. But rarely can we start from there. Because what we do is we do, as we talk about in the book on caring leadership, is we meet our clients where they are in the moment. And while we try to kind of step out and be more strategic with them to start, sometimes we have to start tactical and go then backwards. So that's, that's our model. And then we just go drill, 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 drill. And what happens is while we are doing that, we are touching all the levels and we are able to kind of change mindset along the way. So when we think about employee engagement, we create help organizations create a culture of listening. And we do that through first, most of them don't listen. They don't even know what listening really means. So we define for them what that means, help change their mindset about what they need to do and what maybe they're not doing, not in a way that's disrespectful, but that causes them to be curious, to dig deeper, to say, oh, we need to do more. Oh, Heather says there's this and this too. Let's do more and more and more. Um, and so we do, if they have employee engagement surveys or DEI surveys that they've done, and some are and some haven't, then a lot of them haven't done anything with it. So we help them aggregate all of the, we read every single comment the team does, we read every single comment, we synthesize the data, we give it back to them in a way that gives them some really good actionable recommendations to do. And then we offer to partner and walk with them hand in hand, to be honest, to help with implementing many of the things we recommend. And then from there, we also do listening sessions. So we have a whole process of listening. We call it a cycle of listening and it has multiple steps. And we 
do that with each uh, each of our clients. And it's because that's the starting point for literally everything else that needs to get done. If you know, if it's about engagement, we have to include the voices of everybody. So inclusion includes includes including voices. And people don't do that. They don't use all the voices. They don't corral them. They don't go to them consistently. And when they go to them, they don't do anything about it. And when they've done something about it, they don't communicate it back to the team about what it is they've done and why they've done it based upon those voices. So that we realize that there's power to be harnessed from the voices of the people inside the organizations. And we do that that specific thing very effectively. Right. Heather, again, I've got to ask, this is David. I love how you shared about listening and what it really means to listen to your employees. And so there've been times I've done different trainings and I've actually encouraged the leadership of the room to not always allow the first person to speak, be the same first person every meeting. And that person has a strong personality, tends to guide in a way, unintentionally perhaps, the rest of the room to speak that way. And so you may not always get the full extent of what people are feeling, what they're thinking. So I love how you're challenging your clients to really think about listening skills. What does it really mean to be attentive? And the word curiosity is really important when it comes to listening. And so I, I wanted to go a little further. When you think about leadership and how leaders can demonstrate this caring aspect of their leadership, do you teach leaders, and maybe you, you alluded to this very early on about this sense of self-awareness, but to meet employees emotionally where they are and for example, you have an employee who lost a loved one. And so, okay, here's a card. See you in a, see you in a couple of days. So mm -hmm. how much do you actually go into training and teach them to engage or how to engage in where their employees are on an emotional level without it making a overall scene or becoming a situation where you actually make the employee feel awkward? But do you talk often about that at all? Yeah. And so I would want to go down two lines here. One is... Um, there's so many different places I can go with this, particularly now during the pandemic and then return to work and transitioning to hybrid. Um, I would say the first thing is trust. If you have not built trust with a person or with people, you're not going to get very far when you try to create this space of openness and safety. It actually is false. It won't even be there if you haven't created that, that sense of trust between you and them. So doing that, like, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. A perfect example is you do a survey, tell them what you found. Do wow. something about wow. it. Tell them that you did something about it based on what you said. That right there alone instills trust in them. It makes them go, uh, it increases confidence in your desire to look out for their needs. So I would say that'd be big. When we look at the caring leadership framework that has the nine behaviors, we have a self-assessment, a community, and an academy. The academy is broken down by the nine behaviors. And inside of multiple of those um, courses that are focused on the behaviors, we are looking at emotional intelligence, which is the self-awareness, the empathy side. And how does that look in practice? So when you're sitting across from that person who had someone who just passed away and they're coming back to work, and maybe they're coming back too early, they didn't take all the bereavement time. You know, you tell them, why did you come back? I want, you, I want you to take all the time you need because you can't show up for all for your team, for the work you're doing, for anybody, if you aren't caring for you. And I think then as a leader, we have to model that behavior. So we have to take our time, right, as well. So they can see that this, that I didn't come back early from a vacation, that I didn't work on a vacation, that I, if someone passed in my family, I took all my time. And then when I go to them, they say, okay, when I'm giving them this message, it's not like, oh, Heather's telling me to go do it, but she doesn't do it they can look and go, there's some congruence here with what she says she values and what she actually is, what her walk looks like. And I think that's critical. Is it always perfect? Absolutely not. I don't want to even let anybody, I don't want anybody to leave this conversation with thinking that perfection is necessary in this space. That it's because we talked and we start off with vulnerability. That means that there's some imperfections there. So we want to know, accept that they're there and constantly be working, consistently be working on it. Right. And so, yes, we train on that a lot. I love that. Dan, I want to add this. When you talk about the vulnerability and it means you accept imperfections, that's so powerful. And even growing up as the younger twin in a culture that was blended with an Asian culture, I always kind of felt like I can't be just like him. I can't be just like him. He's too awesome and whatever. And this is not me just trying to pump you up, Dan. I think you're awesome. <laughs> but, but there was a part of me just thought, man, I'm just not, I'm just not as good as Dan in these areas. But once I learned to accept my strengths and realize that, you know what, there's a way that Dan and I balance each other. Then I found uh, a way to kind of carve my niche and carve my role. And so I, I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability means that there are some imperfections. So I appreciate you sharing that. Dan, go ahead. I didn't mean to jump in, but. Oh, I was going to, uh, this is Dan, by the way, I was going to ask Heather, uh, 
if you can shed a little bit of light on what the nine, those nine behavioral aspects were. Yeah. So one of them I talked about was this idea of creating a culture of listening mm -hmm. and going through some of those steps I talked about with letting them know that you've heard them obviously doing something about it and circling back around with them and connecting the dots. And then there's the, but the, the very first chapter I talked about was self-leadership. And this is this idea. It has multiple facets, but it's like, we cannot lead others if we don't lead ourselves first. We cannot give from an empty cup. We cannot give what we do not have. Like there's so many of these cliches and it is so, so true in leadership. It, it, leadership is not for the faint of heart. No. Not everybody should be in a role where they're, and when I'm talking about leadership, uh, I'm meaning just like anybody who looks to you for guidance, you having influence over someone's life, whether you have a title that matches with that or not. Mm -hmm. So I want you to be thinking more broadly, even if you don't like manage a team member. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So the self-leadership is, you know, the authenticity is in there, self-care, you know, making sure that we own our own journey, being congruent. There's a lot mm -hmm. of different aspects related to that. Um, I would say another one would be this idea of uh, making them feel important by, you know, showing recognition, recognizing and showing appreciation consistently and sitting with them and connecting with them. And that's true connection. That's very, um, I want to say authentic, but keeping in mind that definition we talked about earlier. So very authentic, real, transparent connection with them where you're sitting and you're meeting them where they're at, creating safe spaces for them, like where, like we talked about earlier, are they or, or is the first, first person to speak in the meeting always the one? And is that the voice you always hear? Have you expanded the circle to make sure that there's more people who are invited to the table to have the conversation? Have you made it okay for them to disagree in a respectful way when they're conflicting? Like all these types of things, right? And what type of invitations explicitly are you giving to those who maybe don't talk to either talk up or find other avenues for them to speak their truth? so that you can make sure you're including all the voices. Again, the voices in almost every context is my North Star. And it really is the, the foundation of all this caring leadership work. All right, Heather, uh, I love that. And I'm telling you, when you're speaking, I'm getting really inspired because it makes me feel like I have someone on my side fighting for me. And that's why you're the employee whisperer, right? So I love that. And you do it with such passion. That really excites <clears throat> me. But let me ask you this, because when we first began our conversation and Dan was asking you about your story and you shared about people in your life and someone special who really championed for you. They demonstrated care for you. Mm -hmm. Were there any other professional leaders in your life, any mentors or someone that you could say they really helped set a foundation or built upon the foundation that was given to me about developing this leadership of caring or championing this caring leadership approach? Yeah. So I went to law school. And we don't, they don't teach us in law school all of the stuff I'm talking to you about. So most lawyers don't have this stuff I'm talking to you about unless they go and seek it out. Um, I went to work right after, I practiced for about a couple of years and hated it. Uh, I liked the marketing part of it because I loved all the people. But I, there was one thing about, so I left there and I went to work for Mary Kay Cosmetics. And people were like, what the heck? You were like toting cosmetics? I absolutely was. But Mary Kay Ash and the entire organization of Mary Kay really taught me what it meant to meet people where they were at. And, um, you know, I, I could see that I had a skill, and this is being vulnerable here, I had a skill set of meeting people where they're at. Empathy is my main strength. So empathy and really re being relator are my main strengths. And so I would meet people where they're at and I could get them to do things. And mm -hmm. I started to get to the point where I wasn't happy with myself because I didn't want them to do things. Like I, I it was like, this is not what I want out of my human to human relationships. I wanted to be co-creative. I wanted to be collaborative. And I want both of us to feel like we're getting something equal out of it. And I found myself not going there. But, but you know, overarchingly, Mary Kay Ash had this ability to basically make you feel like you were the only important person in the world. It doesn't matter if there were a thousand people around her waiting in a line to talk to her. She could look at you straight in your eyes and have a conversation with you and no one else mattered. That was huge for me. And I was, you know, in my twenties or something when that happened. And I just, it was for my leadership that started me down a road of leadership and I've never stopped since. But that idea of making someone feel that crystal clear important um, has been a, a huge driving force in my leadership for sure. This is Danny. I, I, I wanna say that that's fantastic to be able to bring up that, that great example. And when all the time that we're speaking, we're talking and I'm hearing you speak I can hear passion, I can hear the experience, I can hear um, just your heart and your joy of, of why this is very important. So if you're in the audience today, we always tell you that if you find out your why, to just, just go find your why and go after it, it'll, be, it'll do so much for your life. You'll be so much more 
enthusiastic, so much more happier. And, and this is really what's really missing in the world today is people have all this immense talent, all this immense energy, and they're not giving it to other people. Please go find your why and give it back to other people. Now, the audience has to know that <clears throat> along this time that we've been speaking, Heather's been giving us little hints here and there from her book, right? And so it's very important that we take these hints, we really soak them up, but that we take it to the next level, which is going to get a copy of her book. Now, right here in the copy of her book is The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leaders with Heart Uplift Teams and Organization. Now your book cover, before we get even further into your book, uh, I always like to, when I look at books, I always like to look at the design. I always like to look at the picture and, and wonder, what was the author thinking about? What is it about this that reflects their heart or reflects the book itself? So your, your book looks like a painting and I'm assuming that this is kind of a reflective of the overall theme of your book. I, I'm just curious, give us a little bit more of your design of your book and, and how that relates. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I love the cover of that book. So I, I had the, I had uh, folks on social media vote on multiple different covers and that was the most popular. Did you vote, did you vote? <laughs> <laughs> it was the most popular and it's because it is the it is you know it has a it's a heart it's a, a rendition of a heart my podcast is leadership with heart the foundation of the book is from the interviews that i had on that podcast um and i lead with heart like it just it's it's just the embodiment so it's like let's we has to all be congruent mm -hmm. i would have to say that's the biggest thing that drives me like if i don't feel like i am being congruent with what i value and so that everything then backs, goes, lines up into that. So the idea of why that you brought up just a minute ago is the very first chapter, is a very sub-chapter of the first chapter of self-leadership, understanding your why. And so every person, if you don't know that, you can't even, it's like not even collecting $200 and like passing go, right? You have to be able to have that first. Mm -hmm. um, but, but basically this idea, we had, we were thinking like, should it be the power of caring leadership should be this, that. And power was a big one. People like the power, but everybody has been using the power of. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, but the art of is actually better because leadership, it's not, as, it's not necessarily precise. I did boil down these behaviors, but they're expressed so differently by different leaders. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of brushstrokes. One day I was sitting at a Monet exhibit because my kids were going to this thing for school. And I was sitting down looking at it and I was like, wow, there could be this. And I was just like, wow, there's a lot of ways we can look at this. And that's the parallel I made. I'm like, wow, it's just that same thing. Like whoever, it's the eye of the beholder. It's the, it's the leader and how they express it. It's the employee and how they receive it. So it really is that way. And that may sound very, again, nebulous again, very squishy again. But that's why I said I needed to put in those nine behaviors with all of the sub behaviors and tons of examples in between, because that's how we can learn and we can see it in real life. So that's where it all came from. Heather, this is David, and I love that. And it's really fascinating when you think about art and you can sit there and say, what was the author thinking, uh, the artist thinking? What were they really putting together? But, you, but you, you fall in love with certain styles of art. And you could tell looking at the, at the paint strokes, who was the painter behind it? So I love how you said that. And it really is reflective of your work and who you are. So I love that. Now, in, earlier on in our podcast, we were talking about employee engagement? Are there any metrics out there? But you know, it's interesting. You have a chapter in there in your book, I believe it's chapter 10. And in the, in, the, in the book, you touch on what's called the ROI, return of investment of caring leadership. So how is this measured? Is it just as simply as looking at over the next say quarter cycle year and looking at the reduction of employees leaving the company? Are we looking at what are the metrics and how do you help the companies understand that there's a way to actually tangibly grab a, a growth or a process of seeing a return. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We do have to start off. So when we start off with the process of creating a plan, for example, we have to have the things we're going to measure for success along the way, or else just again, it's squishy again. And I, our job at Employee Fanatics is to reduce the squishiness, reduce the stuff that's not concrete, even though the work we do is so soft. It's so, it, it's so warm. Right. And that's the way we like it. That's how employees will feel. But in the background, there's a way to say how we've been successful. What does this have on the bottom line? So I share in that in that chapter a couple of stories. One is uh, Gary Ridge, the WD-40 company, and he talks about how his market cap went from I cannot remember the exact number, but it was something like 300 million to like 2.2 billion over a 10 year period. And it was because of, and he thinks that he attributes it to, to his the one change he made as a CEO 
and it was this people first focus. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, he like names his people, his people, he, they, they call them the, the tribe and they all, and he goes and names, uh, he goes and says hi to them in the morning. He goes down. I mean, this is like a you know global company that's publicly traded and we're going to billion. So it's a, it's just amazing what he does. It's all the little things that add up to all these human things. And his engagement scores are consistently between 93 and 97%. Um, mm-hmm. And he keeps a lot of the people, you know, as long as, of course, some people, there's natural attrition and that's going to happen. Right. But his, his turnover numbers are very low as well. So you're right, there'd be turnover numbers, there'd be employee engagement scores, you know, DEI scores. Um, you'd be looking at, it depends on what you're trying to track too. So like when we come up with a plan, the plan, we don't do the plan until we've listened. So again, there's a whole process we take them through. So we do, we do the listening, which would be through the surveys and the listening sessions. We aggregate those things, right? And we see, okay, here are the five or six things that your people say they need. Okay, so let's now put together the plan. When we put together the plan, we have metrics, maybe two metrics for each element inside the plan. Uh, and, and it's based upon data we already have or that we can easily get a hold of or create. Could be dashboarding that we put together. So we're able to see, again, from a concrete way, what are the things we're looking at? And it could say, let's say we're saying, okay, our, our CSAT scores, our customer satisfaction scores are really n- not great. We're gonna, we're gonna go, we're gonna start inside first with all the things we're gonna do with our team members. And we wanna track, so that'll be one measurement on the plan. We wanna track the impact to our CSAT scores. Okay, that would be a very good definitive one because there is a direct connect between how your people feel inside what you give them, if they feel cared for and what then happens outside to the people who you know, are, are buying things from your business. So I think those are be the, that'll be one thing you'd look at too. So there's a, just so many metrics and it does depend on the original listening you did, what the main things are that we need to get to and then what your end goals are, what success looks like for you. Right. Um, right. It's very evaluative, I guess, is the, is the uh, short, point, or short answer. Great. No, I'd, I'd love it. Go ahead, Dan. Let me jump in real quick. Um, and I apologize for cutting you off, brother. Um, so one of the things, I, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. I think that organizations at times, they grow too fast or they're not growing fast enough. Whatever the reason is, there, there's this philosophy at times that I take my best sales rep and I'm going to promote him or her to be the next leader uh, without really thinking about um, maybe this person doesn't want to be the next leader. Maybe... Uh, when they do become the leader, they try to treat everybody like them, like, like they were. And that's not what they need in order to be the best of themselves. And so I really love the fact that you are, you and your organization are training and going in there and learning, helping people to learn to understand how to be a better leader, how to care, what characteristics to look like. The fact that you're creating these dashboards in order to uh, help them be able to see what's going on, what's taking place. There, there's so many times I sit down in an organization and Dave and I, we do this the same thing. I have a client in California. I'm doing the same thing with this client in California. And before you even look at what is taking place, I just sit there and observe. I just look mm-hmm. and, I, and I look at the employees. How do they act? How do they respond? Then I look at the leadership. How do they respond? How do they act? How do they talk to these individuals? Do they speak in a way that shows that they care about them or do they speak in an authoritative figure? And how are their employees? Are they sharing great ideas? And some of the ideas that we think about in the world that are fantastic ideas that have changed the world have come from employees who've commented, who've, who've in, in their essence, become an entrepreneur within the organization. They call it entrepreneurship. And so we see all these aspects uh, not taking place. And the reason I bring this up, I think it's very important for organizations today. If you want to make sure that you're growing your company in a very quick, awesome, inclusive way, that's what D&I is, right? You got to make sure you include the people. Uh, I think you guys need to look at Heather's company. You guys need to give her a call. You need to ask her, hey, come help us just so we can know who we are because we have, we've been growing so fast. We haven't even taken the time to do self-reflection of our own company. All that stuff is really missing today in most organizations. I mean, we even see a report coming out with Apple where an engineer who left Facebook caused divisiveness went to Apple and now you see divisiveness happening at Apple. And so it takes one individual, it takes one leader to come in there and can turn up and turn upside down the culture and make things really bad. So I just want to throw that out there. People in the audience today, it doesn't matter how big or how small you are. It's very important to take some self-reflection, understand who you are, and then bring in Heather and her team to come in here and be able to help you understand your team so that you can be a better leader, a caring leader, and then uplift your team. I just want to make sure I just throw that out there. Go ahead, Dave. I know you had a question, but I want to make sure the audience understands why it's important, not just to think about what you think you need, 
but to bring in sometimes a consultant firm to come in and show you sometimes what you need. Mm-hmm. No, Dan, I love it. And I'm glad you actually shared that because it's so important that an outside set of eyes, they're not going to be biased. They're not going to come in with any preconceived notions. They're coming in to observe and understand. And that's why Heather's company and what she does is so important today. And it's almost the same adage of when's the last time we went to your doctor for a checkup? There are, mm. there are yeah. reasons why we have those. And so I'm glad you do that, Heather. That's so powerful. I, I wanted to kind of go off script a little bit here because I think it's important for our listeners to grab a copy of the book. I'll make sure I include her link there so you guys can get a hold of Heather. You could talk about what she's done in her book. I just love, as a podcaster, she's taken her interviews and with this common thread, this theme of caring and then literally integrating their stories and what they do in their companies to further make her point in her book. So I love that you've done that, Heather. I, I, I really want to go back because I'm intrigued because this is part of Dan and I in our second book. We think about growing up in that balance, that sense of understanding diversity in different cultures. How did you make sense of all that? And how is that a strength of yours as you go into these companies? Because I can't imagine you not being able to help them to see as a facilitator, as a coach and a trainer, that they've got to see each other. You've got to see each other. And I think that's what we've seen in the last year or so in our country is there's more of an awareness that we haven't seen each other. Mm -hmm. We haven't acknowledged that someone is there with a different opinion, Mm -hmm. a different color skin, a different culture. So for me, I, I, I look at it now and I'm like, I love growing up diverse. I love growing up with different cultures. I love growing up having a different palate and eating different foods. Give me an international dish any day of the week versus a burger. <laughs> so how did you use that to your strength? And, and, and why do you think it's still so important for our companies to look at diversity more than just adding a chief diversity officer, for example? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Thank you for checking out the DSB Leadership Speaking Podcast. If you are enjoying the program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash twins talk it up. Also consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple and comment on our other platforms, including YouTube. If you'd like to learn more and get more information, we would like you to become a guest on our future episode. Send us a message via our website at www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a spectacular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Well, do I, I do want to say I love a good burger, especially with bacon on it. I'm just going to go there, but okay. <laughs> Side note, um, you know, I there's other adversity, other things I had in my background that you know I think of many people would go like the opposite way I went. So they may have they may decide that they want to they want to be more narrow minded. They want to hate white people or they want to hate Jewish people, like all these things. Like they want and there are people who are that way. And fortunately, they exist in the world. I mean, the same exact thing you see on the supremacist side, right? They have whatever they have, and then they like decide to like have this one little seed and create this entire big thing where I just hate these people. I think I could have made that choice, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I was just like born not to make that choice. But like I said, there were other things that were happening in my life, and I didn't choose those bad paths either. Um, and so. 
you know, I think it, you're right. When I've gone, I've, you, a lot of times what will happen is people, they will have me come in and speak at like a town hall meeting on part of my story, part of some other case study and stories to help to level set where I'm coming from, number one, so they can build rapport with me, but also have a broader view and understanding of the role they have and, and each person in their shoes. I'm not talking about people with the title, always. I'm talking about every single person in the room. What can you do to include more people, to expand the circle, to ask more people to dance, metaphorically, right? Yep. Uh, and, to, and to make sure that they feel like they belong in the organization. So I would say that's one thing. I have been, I'm, <laughs> I'm an anomaly as it relates to the background because I don't, I don't like hate or even have negative feelings towards the people who treated me like they did uh, growing up, uh, you know, and then I, I, I decided to take the, the kind of their thing and kind of feel, to be honest, it was more pity I felt for them more than anger. I felt pity because boy, do they miss out on the energy I provide. Yes. Boy, do they miss out, you know, right? And so I was like, that's on them. And maybe that was my reframe, but it's always been that way. And so like now in the moment when people are in conflict or someone's not seeing something somewhere, I'm like, yeah, that's one way to look at it. And let's look at it this way. Or, but maybe this person wasn't coming from that position. Maybe they weren't being inclusive. Maybe they were doing a microaggression, but let's just think about where they were coming from. So I have this ability to say, this person had their own journey. So in the, in the case of my grandmother, for example, she had her own struggles of feeling feeling like um, maybe she wasn't worthy in her own community. So she definitely didn't want to hamper that by bringing in the fact that her daughter married outside of the outside of the race, outside of the religion, like outside of everything, right? And then produce this person who is a represent. I'm like a stamp. I'm a I am I am the the response uh, the thing that makes them remember that this thing took place because I'm a byproduct of this thing that was like a sin in their mind, right? So I know that that's hurtful deep, deep down, but I realized she had her own battles. And I realize that every day, everyone is having their own issues, their own battles, their own luggage that's given to them. And we can choose to say, we have this baggage as luggage and hold it on our shoulders, chip on the shoulders, which some people do in training. Like there's some trainings that are DEI trainers are out there that honestly shouldn't be doing it because they have so many, they have a chip, chip, chip. And then when they're going into a room where they're, where you'd want to really create um, enlightenment and um, connectedness and, uh, you know, empowerment, I would think, but that's my view. Instead, they leave people feeling battered, stompled on, victimized. And I don't believe in that. And again, I do also don't have a victim thinking. I don't believe in being victim, even though I could be. So yeah. I think that's, that's just, I don't know, that was a long way to say it, but yeah, it, it takes, a, it does take a lot to be that person, uh, but it's a choice. It is 100% a choice in being a super intentional about how I choose to show up, how I choose to see things. And I always like to assume positive intent in others. I don't want to think the worst. I want to assume best and let them prove it otherwise. That is awesome. I love that. I love yeah. that. And Dave and I so much relate to you on that. And it, listen, it doesn't matter how you grew up. Put yourself in a situation right now to try to think the best of other people. And not only that, put yourself in a position to think that I am valuable I am worthy and who I am and what I am is, is, is all that it matters. And a lot of times I think we think if we're not the CEO or we're not the director or we're not the VP, I don't matter. You matter. As an employee, you matter. As an employee, you're valuable. As an employee, your thoughts and your ideas can lead to the next billion dollar idea. Yep. So true. It can definitely lead to the next billion dollar idea. So you're very valuable. As you're sharing about your family and we think about our parents and the journey they went through as you're sharing about your mother and, and your father and kind of you know breaking breaking free and different from the norm and every time people look at you you're the stamp of what they did not want right they did not want a mixed child someone outside of the culture but every time they look at you you did nothing wrong you were just born in those in this world but mm -hmm. that's what they constantly see and uh, I, re I recall growing up and Dave and I felt the same way. It took a long time for us to find our own voice because we felt at the time that what we thought and what we wanted to say didn't matter because the people around us didn't look like us. That every time they looked at us, they're like, you're not what we thought. You don't look like us. So there's nothing you can say that's gonna add value to our lives. And you said another thing that's quite interesting that the DE and I and individuals at times will make everyone around them feel bad. When we forget at times is that because we're so different or because we are representing a minority class, 
that is important to get everybody involved. This is what we call that allyship. And at times you have great people in this world who may be in the majority because of the color of their skin, who may be in the majority because of their finances, or maybe in the majority because they've been part of the CEO club. But some of these individuals really care and they're asking, how can I be an ally? How can I help? How can I see a, a group that's not represented appropriately? And how can I add value to them? Is it education? Maybe I need to be taught more. Is it finances? Is it the ability to volunteer? We have many great allies around us today if we give them a chance. So I wanna tell you in the audience today, look, you don't have to grow up mixed. If you did, God bless you, you're awesome too. <laughs> but there are people like yourself who can be an ally for anyone and everyone. And I wanna make sure you guys have a heart, you find out your why, and if your why says you're gonna give back to people and lift them up and mentor them, go do it. Don't wait for Heather, don't wait for David, don't wait for myself. So I apologize for this long winter roundabout thing, <laughs> but I just wanna let you know that I appreciate you sharing. Yes. I appreciate your heart. You really want to help organizations. You really want to help leaderships to care. You really want to help the employees to feel yep. valued and to feel included. That yep. is the key of leadership. Amen. Making sure your employees <laughs> feel included. I can't Amen. tell you how many times I sit down with organizations and I've interviewed the CEO all the way down to the VP of sales, all the way down to the sales manager. And, and when I get to the employees who are the front line, who who gets the blunt of re rejections from customers who hate your product, who are upset, who gets the blunt of, no, I like your comp competition, not you, selling your products all day long. They're getting beat up every day on the front lines to help grow your company, and yet they don't feel valued. So I do apologize for this long-winded answer, Heather, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm really, uh, I'm just really excited about what you and your, uh, your organization is doing. So as David is saying earlier, we will include the link to Heather's book and I will encourage each and every individual out there, pick up a copy of her book. Yes. But not only that, make sure you subscribe to her podcast as well as continue to subscribe to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Heather, we wanna thank you for joining our program today. We wanna to make sure that every individual pick up a copy of your book. Now remember, here's the name of the copy of the book, The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading With Your Hearts Uplifts Teams and Organizations. And look, if you want to pick up a copy of your book and put it right behind you during your own video conferencing so people can see the logo and see how beautiful it is, do that because that just stands out as fantastic. We want to thank you very much, Heather, for joining us today. We want to thank you, the audience, for being there and thank our sponsors for sponsoring our program. We want to thank you and tell you, see you next time on the Twins Talk It Up episode. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.